Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, American Airlines and Virgin Atlantic made waves last week when they took the plunge into the air taxi market. I take a look at what this means, and Tom will tell us how you can fly the Queen of the Skies on a short-haul European hop. Joe will see why Qatar Airways has refused to take any more A350 deliveries, and I'll look at where President Biden flew on his first international Air Force One trip. Finally, could United be on the verge of a huge new order for the Boeing 737 MAX? So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And please, Joe, tell me about these air taxis, because I am intrigued. <laughs> Definitely. We try to avoid the whole EV toll marketplace because we're not very clever on it. We don't really know much about mm. it. But it appears we're going to have to learn rather quickly because they seem to be becoming a bit more mainstream. Um, so if you're not aware, EV toll means electric vertical takeoff and landing. And these are essentially little little airplane. Well, I don't know if they're even called airplanes, really. They're just small flying vehicles, which... Yeah. Um, Aircraft. Aircraft, yes, that take off a bit like a helicopter, but then their rotors kind of shift forwards and they fly horizontally a bit like a plane. Um, so anyway, the big surprise last week was that American Airlines and Virgin Atlantic signed large deals with a company called Vertical Aerospace. Mm. Um, and between them, they're planning to acquire up to 400 flying taxis. Um, so the American Airlines deal, they said they'd be investing 25 million US dollars in the company. Um, and that will allow them to purchase up to 250 EV toll aircraft. So um, do they have to pay separately for the aircraft or is, does the investment count towards it? I, it wasn't clear, actually, from the press release whether they were investing in the company to develop them and then would buy the aircraft. Um, I would say that 25 million doesn't sound like a lot for 250 little planes. But True, um, yeah, that's like... 100,000 a pop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could be wrong, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But they, yeah. they've committed to help the company bring this product to market hmm. and um, to potentially take quite a lot of them. Um, Virgin, on the same day, announced the purchase of between 50 and 150 of the same planes. Mm. And on the very same day, Avalon, who you might know is one of the world's biggest leasing companies, also signed an order for up to 500 <laughs> EVTOL aircraft. Wow. So that's um, like 900 in total? Yeah, it's like 900 with kind of firm commitments, but not entirely firm because it's not actually a, a plane that's been released yet. Um, so, yeah, to give you an idea on the cost, actually, I haven't done the maths here. Maybe you can do it faster than me. But Avalon said their deal was worth around two billion US dollars. Um, and that was for 500. So uh, I'll leave you to do the maths on that. Um, but from what was said in the press releases, Avalon is actually going to be the launch customer. Um, and the aircraft it's bought is called the VAX4. Um, this is fully electric. It's zero emissions. Go on. Have you worked out the price? Yeah. So I think that would put them at about four million a pop. Yeah, that sounds more like it, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess the United investment is sans American. purchase price. Uh, American investment <laughs> is sans purchase price. Sorry, I've got United on the brain today. It's for the some boom reason. thing from last week. Yeah, it is. All these people buying weird and wonderful just, aircraft yeah, that we weren't expecting. Like, <laughs> why, just give me an A350 order or something, please. 
<laughs> Definitely. So this, uh, the VAVX4, it operates almost silently and it will have a range of around or over 100 miles. Um, in terms of capacity, it carries just four passengers and a pilot. Um, and it's got four tilting rotors at the front and also stowable rotors at the rear, which gives it capable of a top speed of 200 miles an hour. Okay. Um, Faster so, than a train then. Yeah, it is faster than a train, and obviously it doesn't have to navigate bends and, and towns, and it just flies in a straight line. So, hmm. um, you know, Virgin gave some colour on the idea for this sort of um, vehicle, and they said what they want to do is provide competitive regional connectivity across the first and last 100 miles of the customer journey. Um, they gave the example of somebody wanting to go from Cambridge on one of their flights from London Heathrow. Yeah. Um, that's a 56-mile journey, which takes about an hour and a half by road because of the awful traffic going around London. Um, but they reckon they could drive that down to just 22 minutes um, from Cambridge directly to the apron at Heathrow, which would mm. be awesome. Um, they said there's about 37 towns and cities with populations of over 100,000 that are within 100 miles of London Heathrow um, and that they think the VAX4 could offer huge potential to support zero emissions short-haul transfers for up to 7.7 million customers outside of London um, going to and from the main airport. Mm. Um, so they so, did say, yeah, go on. Did you say these were autonomous or do they have a pilot? No, they have them? a pilot. Okay. They do have a pilot. Yeah, there, there'll be a guy in there. Um, you know, my thought is that this is going to be an upper class add-on, you mm. know, whereas at the moment they provide a chauffeur service, um, which I did get or to enjoy once. <laughs> I don't know about a motorbike. I'm do sure they provide I read a motorbike? that um, you can jump on the back of a motorbike and cling on to someone if you want to get into London really fast. Goodness, okay. No, I, I enjoyed their chauffeur service um, and I kind of wished I'd taken the train because the traffic getting from yeah. London City to London Heathrow was just disgusting. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking this isn't going to be for everybody. Clearly, you know, it's not going to be feasible to ferry a whole A350s worth of people from hmm. their, their towns and villages to Heathrow, but potentially for upper class passengers, I think this could be really cool. Um, mm. So Virgin did say this is not yet a committed order and with aircraft development still underway, the final order value is let yet to be confirmed. So yeah. it's very much um, these companies giving vertical aerospace a kind of vote of confidence, I think, yeah. rather than actually kind of committing to definitely buying these things. But I just wanted to touch on some of the other EV toll developments because once I started looking into this, it's becoming fairly widespread, actually. Yeah, I know um, you know. United did theirs a couple of, well, maybe a month or so ago. Yeah, they did. So they're partnering with the air mobility firm Archer hmm. um, to develop the EV toll vehicles. And eventually they're looking to purchase around 200 of these electric air taxis for the same reason as Virgin, to get some of their passengers to the airport um, with less hassle. Um, hmm. UPS is also looking at cargo carrying oh, EV yes. toll aircraft with a company called Beta Technologies. Um, it's looking at buying 10 of its uh, takeoff and landing vertical takeoff and landing vehicles um, by 2024 with an option of a further 150. 
Um, and on the kind of infrastructure side, there's a company called Ilium that's rapidly expanding a network of what it calls vertiports, which I thought was really cool, actually. Mm. You know, it's like a, a vertical airport um, for these eVTOL aircraft in, co- in partnership with Spanish company Ferrovial. Um, this is just in Florida, but they're building at least 10 more eVTOL ports around Florida. Um, obviously, there's still a way to go in terms of regulation and certification for these aircraft. It poses all sorts of nightmare challenges in regards to how they're controlled and how they operate safely and who owns the airspace. Um, But there is a lot of work going on on that front. And recently, Embraer, they've got a subsidiary called EVE who's joined a consortium with the UK's Civil Aviation Authority um, to form what they're calling a regulatory sandbox to draw up a concept of how these air taxis and EV tolls would function in the UK's airspace. Mm. And they've got people on board like Heathrow, London City, various skyports. So I really do think it's something that's going to happen I don't know how quickly um, but I'd love to go in one personally I think they look awesome Hmm. (laughs) or maybe the first flight (laughs) yeah maybe not maybe I'll let someone else be the guinea pig as Mr (laughs) Alpaca would say I'll do it So tell me how I can fly a queen of the skies within Europe this summer. Yeah, so um, slightly further than 100 miles, but not much. Um, Lufthansa (laughs) is due to use both the A350 and the queen of the skies for short haul intra-Europe hops this summer. um, Starting in mid-July from Frankfurt and then on the 31st of July from Munich. Um, So what's going to happen is basically, you know, like Frankfurt's the home of the Lufthansa 747 fleet. And uh, there's also a lot of of A320 family aircraft there. And yeah. the A320 family aircraft is usually what you'd expect if you're just going to, say, like an island like Mallorca. Yeah, definitely. That's not going to be the case for four consecutive weekends this summer, because instead the 747-8 is going to be flying to the Spanish island. Um, it's going to do one flight and one return flight on Saturdays, as far as I can see, Um Departing Frankfurt at 10.20 and then departing Mallorca at 2.25. Um, The first one, uh, as I said, I think is going to be July 17th and then there's going to be four consecutive weekends. And the great thing for Lufthansa with you may be like wondering why is Lufthansa flying such a big aircraft? Exactly. That's exactly what I was wondering. (laughs) You know, like Mallorca is definitely a tourist hotspot for Germans. It's um, kind of got the colloquial name as the 17th German state just because (laughs) uh, it's the place to go uh, for a holiday. So um, it's already busy in normal years, but this year it's just insanely busy because you can't really go anywhere else. Um, You can go within Europe, like maybe there's other places in Europe, but um, US is still off limits to Europeans and uh, whatnot. And the the 747-8 carries 364 passengers compared to the 215 that can usually be ferried on the route. Um, You may be wondering how they're going to get around having the four cabins on the 747 because usually in... um, if you're flying the A320, you've got business and economy, and the business is basically economy Just without a middle so many seat people. Block. Yeah. <laughs> um, what they're going to do is it's still going to be a two-class configuration. So the first-class cabin is going to merge into business class, and the um, economy cabin is going to be merged with the premium economy cabin. Uh, so the, there's going to be 88 business class seats and 276 economy seats. Wow. And You may be thinking, well, that's a really cheap way to try out first class on the 747 if you manage to get one of the eight seats. But 
Perhaps not, um, because I looked into the prices of these, and if you were just going to fly there and back on July 31st, in economy, it would set you back 440 euros, which is $534. But if you wanted to go for the... Yeah, if you wanted to go for the business class, you're looking at ten, uh, one thousand and ten euros or uh, one thousand two hundred and twenty-five dollars. So goodness, it's quite that is a that's a lot to pay for a very short trip. <laughs> it is, you know. But I'm kind of thinking maybe book the seven four seven one way and then a cheap Ryanair return. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've got to wonder if they're going to fill that plane. I mean, I know it's a busy mm. route and it's high demand but there are cheaper operators to fly with and when you're only going for two or three hours why would you pay all that to fly on a, a well big I, plane? I guess most people are going um are just going to Mallorca anyway and you know a lot of people who book flights I don't think they're, specific, they're even going to notice that they're on the 747 until they get to the plane and they're told to walk upstairs you know what um, a nice surprise <laughs> yeah um, the good news is that Lufthansa is going to be offsetting all the CO2 from these flights and there is one more flight that I haven't actually mentioned yet that's going from Munich um, so Munich doesn't really have so much so many Boeing aircraft based there instead it's more of the Airbus hub as far as Lufthansa wants to move. Um, the A380, the entire A350 fleet uh, is based there. Mm-hmm. So on one day, uh, for one day on the 31st of July, uh, the A320 is going to be replaced by the A350 on that route. And again, it's going to be two to Mallorca cabins. as well? Yep, to Mallorca. It's just, wow. <laughs> just to Mallorca. Um, it's crazy. So um, it's it's kind of really exciting, I think, because it's hard enough to fly on a 747 these days anyway because Lufthansa is the main operator and it just gives people... I mean, I know the reason for it is because the flights are busy, but it gives people who may not have a chance otherwise to experience these giant aircraft a small yeah, chance. Yeah, I'd do it. If, uh, mm. if I was allowed into Germany and then back into England afterwards, yeah. I'd well, the great news is go. that if you're flying from Germany to Parma... Um, Palma de Mallorca at the moment, you only need a negative test and a passenger locator form to get to Palma. And then to come back to Germany, you only need a negative test or um, when I say negative test, it could be a negative test. It could be proof of full inv- full vaccination or it could be proof that you've had COVID-19 within the last six months, but more than 21 days. Okay. So that's but quite a fun one. only if you're German, right? Uh, that doesn't apply to English people who've flown to Germany. Well, if you were English and you'd flown to Germany, you would have been sent straight to the 14-day quarantine unless you managed to book it as a connecting flight somehow. Um, Okay, I I might have to give it a miss, I think, Tom, but uh, you go for it. Come with me. Come with me. Book a connecting flight. I really would. I Um, don't know if I'll uh, ever get another seat on a 747. Exactly. Come with me. Um, (laughs) So while I was on the topic of A350s, actually, I'm not quite done yet. Um, We did learn something exciting about Lufthansa's A350s, and that is that the next 10 to be delivered to the airline are going to come with a first-class cabin. Ooh. So you, like, I was thinking, yeah, that's an exciting way to um, experience the first class. But of course, it's not going to happen anytime soon because the next A350 is due to be delivered in July 2023. Oh, right. Bit so, of a wait then. <laughs> long wait, but it will be worth yeah. it. We don't actually know what first class is going to be in there yet because as far as I can tell, even if it has been um, decided internally, it's definitely not been released externally but um it's quite so exciting it's a brand new first class but perhaps you know it could mm. i i feel it's going to be the case like with ba when they released the new club suite on the a350 if um 
if Lufthansa puts the old first class on there, I don't think people are going to be happy because it's really moved on quite away yeah, from what they've yeah, got now. Definitely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they come out with. Um, it's going to be on the next 10, as I said. So that means that aircraft delivered from July 2023 up until March 2026, as things currently stand, are due to come with it. And then that leaves another 15, uh, 18 aircraft that are due to be delivered the cabin on those hasn't been decided yet so we'll have to wait and see and watch this space cool hopefully the new business class is in there somewhere as well because uh, that ha we have seen pictures of and it looks mm. pretty cool yeah i'm sure it will be if it's 2023 but you know can't say for certain no well, from one A350 to another A350, um, there's, mm -hmm. um, you might have noticed if you've been reading Simple Flying, which I'm sure you all have, that <laughs> there's been a bit do. of a bit of a row between Qatar Airways and Airbus going on. Mm. Um, and this has been rumbling on for some months now, actually. Um, most recently, the airline said that there was an issue that was causing concern, but it didn't really specify what it was. Um, there were some speculative articles floating around that said it was an issue with the paintwork. Mm. Um, but then Al Baka held an interview and said that this was not the case. It definitely wasn't the paintwork. Um, but now it seems things have come to a head and we know a bit more about the problem and what Airbus um, is or isn't doing to resolve it. So the carrier has effectively halted all incoming deliveries of the A350 until it's satisfied with Airbus's resolution. Um, and in a statement, it said that the problem was um, Qatar Airways continues to experience and has witnessed a condition in which the surface below the paint on its Airbus A350 aircraft has been degrading at an accelerated rate. Mm. So, you know, this suggests it's not a problem with the paintwork as such, but, but rather... What's underneath? Yeah, which I assume is what carbon fibre on those aircraft. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily direct carbon fibre, but it's some sort yeah, of carbon composite. composite yeah, I yeah, you, yeah. It's not it's not metal, is it? It's no, a no. Composite body. So, mm. yeah, it's a it's a funny one, <laughs> yeah. and definitely one Airbus needs to resolve. The airline says that uh, that the airline will require the condition and its underlying root cause to be fully understood and corrected before it takes delivery of any further Airbus A three fifty aircraft. Now. Qatar Airways is a really important customer for Airbus. Yeah. It's the largest customer of the Air 3, A350. Um, and it was launch operator for both the A350-1000 and the 900. Um, it's got 34 A350-900s. It's got 19 A350-1000s. And there should have been a further 23-1000s delivered soon. Mm. Um I had a quick look on CH Aviation to see when these deliveries were coming and it should have received two more A350-1000s this month, um, another one in July and another one in November this year with the rest arriving, you know, between 2022 and 2025. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for a start, that's disrupted Airbus's schedule mm. um, for its deliveries and is going to impact its income because, you know, when it gets delivered, that's when the Airbus, the airline pays its final kind yeah. of lump sum for the plane. Um, so that's not really welcome for Airbus. But more than that, Al Baka was quick to point out the influence that he has within other airlines around the world. And he threatened industrial problems, um, noting that the rift in the relationship could have an impact on Airbus's standing with airlines, including LATAM and IAG. Um, hmm. So, you know, 
IAG, uh, particularly British Airways, is another important customer for Airbus. Yeah. Um, I don't know quite what he's planning to do, but... <laughs> well, I mean, Lufthansa is a big... Um, not Lufthansa. Lufthansa on the brain here. Iberia is... <laughs> Iberia um, as well, that's another right. Another big yeah. one. Yeah, yeah I, I did wonder if maybe there's a... A deeper problem here, I wouldn't like to speculate, but uh, if you remember, Lufthansa sent its A350s back for painting yes. um, quite early into their life cycle. I think it was they were just four years old at the time. That's correct. Um, and that was under the pretense that it was having its new livery put on. But mm. I do wonder if maybe there was more to the story than meets the eye. Perhaps. Not my place to speculate. Anyway, mm. for now, Qatar will not be taking any more A350s and hopefully Airbus can get this problem resolved. Yep. Well, watch this space and we'll keep you up to date. <laughs> <laughs> I just so, need to get like a button that I press and it says that. <laughs> <laughs> you love it, don't you? I do, I do. <laughs> so um, I was very excited. I live in Cornwall, if uh, listeners didn't know. I'm sure I've mentioned it enough times. But uh, I couldn't get anywhere near Newquay Airport to see the arrival of all the VIPs. Um, it was absolutely, there's, there's just so much security up in the north of Cornwall right now. Um, so I've just stayed home and watched things on the telly. But tell us about how uh, the the biggest VIP aircraft arrived and, and what was going on there. So I'll get there in a second. Um, okay. I'm going to start <laughs> by saying like we did an analysis on the um, the UK or the busiest route and the most valuable route in the world actually is from London Heathrow to New York's JFK. Um, previously it netted British Airways 11, uh, $1 billion, uh, more than $1 billion a year. Cool. And so I looked into it and I looked and the traffic on that route, understandably, has just collapsed. But whereas a lot of routes have been recovering, this hasn't. This has stayed sort of stable with the big um, the big four carriers operating about around one daily flight recently. So somebody actually flew to the UK to hopefully do something about that this uh, week. And on Wednesday, Air Force One landed in the United Kingdom carrying Joe Biden. And it's kind of interesting because this is his first international trip. Um, so it'll be his first international trip on Air Force One as well. Mm -hmm. um, and he was heading to the G7 summit, which is due to be held in Cornwall this weekend. It is. Um, what was kind of kind of interesting to me about the flight was, you know, usually when Air Force One visits the UK or the south of the UK, to be more specific, it lands at Stansted <laughs> because it can go over the side and doesn't really bother anyone. But it didn't this time. It landed at Mildenhall RAF base, which has a lot of US troops. And here, uh, Biden got off the plane for about around two and a half hours and um, spoke to his troops. And he said that he was proud to be here to kick off his first overseas trip as president. Um, but as I said, you know, he didn't stay there for long. He only stopped there for around two and a half hours and left at around 9 p.m. And after he'd been there, he flew down to your neck of the woods, Cornwall. Although yeah. um, I think the Air Force One pilots might need a bit of advice as to what a straight line is. Um, because from <laughs> what I can understand, route. he went all over the place. Um, Maybe he was sightseeing. Maybe he wanted to see Hadrian's Wall and uh, the Lake District and stuff on his way. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was just, oh, I need this phone call for five more minutes. Can you go around again? <laughs> um, so anyway, he arrived at his final destination of the day at roughly 11.30. So an hour and a half flight. Um, I think I've got the times wrong there. Um, but it, yeah, it was a long flight anyway from um, Suffolk it to... It should have been about 45 minutes. Cornwall, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was in the air for a long time. Um, but... 
in Cornwall yesterday, he met with Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the two were basically discussing a transatlantic charter um, between the two nations, which was originally, um, it was originally sort of dreamed up in the era of Churchill and obviously a lot has changed but, uh, since then, including the sort of whole COVID thing. So one of mm-hmm. the things that they were talking about was UK-US travel and Basically, they've decided that they're going to launch a task force to try and relaunch travel as soon as possible. But we don't really know much from that because, t- like, the UK loves t- its task forces. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We probably... set up a task force for everything. I'm surprised yeah. we haven't got a task force creating task force. <laughs> well, maybe there is. Um, but sadly, you know, like, I'm not super enthusiastic about this yet because creating a task force to look at something is very different to actually making actions to make something happen god Um, forbid we should actually do something yeah and you know like given the sort of precarious uh cautious uh, way they've been going so far i just i really don't see them lining up to say yeah you can go to the u.s um because especially you know if they do reopen travel to the u.s there's going to be questions as to why people can't fly to malta for example yeah definitely Um, so they're gonna have to really work out what they're doing there yeah but it's interesting because it comes the same week that um airlines from both sides of the atlantic british airways virgin atlantic delta united uh, american and JetBlue, all met together to call for such an action to happen because according to the group each day that travel between the two nations is restricted it's costing uk businesses 23 million pounds wow i can imagine that's true yeah yeah a lot of money being uh to be had and you know it's it really makes sense now because i crunched the numbers and the covid situation in terms of both infections and vaccinations is roughly the same in both countries yeah it doesn't really make sense to keep everything mm. closed or as closed as it is mm. and uh, yeah don't even get me started on the uh, traffic light list <laughs> yeah, don't get me <laughs> just... started either <laughs> you know i was just looking at the numbers again today and i just think it's crazy that um you can fly from over 100 countries to germany without quarantining but you can really only fly from gibraltar to the uk without quarantining as a tourist because nowhere else will take you <laughs> craziness craziness Mm. oh what do you think grandpa joe thought of the air force one i bet he loved it do you think he's an av geek i he must be you know like well he likes trains and anyone who likes trains likes planes so true true there's there's a definite affinity between us there's like an overlap yeah, I've, I've got a bit of a thing for trains, but yeah. I'd rather be on a plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I'm, you know, I'm sure he appreciates it more than maybe some other people. Um, but, um, you know, like I, well, I would like to think that he had a whale of a time. Yeah, I hope he did. I hope mm. he did. And I hope he took his lovely dogs as well. <laughs> well, I don't know about his dogs, but over in the US, we did see Southwest placed an order for um, 34 Maxes last week. But is there perhaps another Max order coming? Potentially, yes. Um, so the word on the street is United Airlines is looking to place a large order for Boeing's narrowbody. Um, so people close to the matter have been telling the press that the talks are at an advanced stage and that mm. the airline could commit to at least 100 737 MAX. Um, wow. The biggest order since uh, Ryanair's additional order, I believe. Mm. Um, so, you know, 
United has been a big fan of the Mac since, well, since way back when. It was the fifth customer to make mm. an order for the type. Um, and since then, it's added to its original commitment. And now its backlog is a, well, it's going to have a total of 47.3 Max 8s and 79 Max 9s. So far, it's just got 30 Max 9s in its fleet. None of the Max 8s have started delivering. Um, mm. But apparently, it's particularly happy with its Max aircraft because even though it's got a huge order in with Airbus for the A321 Neo, it's reportedly looking at buying up to or more than 100 737 Max, potentially as many as 150. Wow. Um, so it did, um, United did commit to an additional 25 Max back in March, um, which took its existing fleet commitment up to 210 aircraft. Mm. And it wants them quick as well. It's accelerated its delivery timeline. So it's going to be getting 40 new planes arriving next year and 54 in 2023. Um, but it's a good time to buy the Max. It's rather a buyer's market right now. Um, you know, Boeing is looking for airlines to make a vote of confidence in its narrowbody plane. So it's likely offering some really good discounts <laughs> at the present time. Um, this could be not just the lower purchase price, but maybe also reduced upfront payments and other little bits of financial benefits. And particularly if it's 100 planes or more, you can imagine that United is going to snap up a really good deal. Um, but further reporting actually suggests the airline's also looking to make an order with Airbus. So it's splitting the order for its new single aisle requirements between the two plane makers. Um, mm. Reuters said yesterday that uh, it's looking at several dozen more A321 Neos. Um, these are seen very much as adequate replacements for the 757 um, because they're slightly bigger and go a bit further than the, the Max. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a, a double um, mixed fleet for the long term for United. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for Boeing, this is all great news. There's been a steady stream of incoming orders since the type was ungrounded. And I think, mm. you know, that's a vote of much needed confidence. Well, it's got um, my vote of confidence. You know, I can't wait to fly on it as soon as Ryanair perhaps maybe gets them. Good. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you're up for it. Um, you know, and because you? there were concerns that passengers wouldn't want to fly on the plane. Um, mm. You know, it was quite a lot of bad press. But in practice, this has proven to be a non-issue. Yeah, I um, know um, American was saying they've got... They've, they obviously have people, but it's no different to the number of people cancelling or wanting to move off of an A320. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was a, um, there was a waiver in place um, with United, actually, that if you got booked on a max, you could change to another plane without any um, financial penalties. Mm. And they've actually just removed that because nobody was using it. Mm. So uh, nobody actually cares. And that's kind of what we said all along. I don't think the majority of people even know what sort of airplane they're flying on. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Southwest Airlines also added 34 jets last week. Um, SMBC Aviation Capital and Dubai Aerospace Enterprise, they've ordered 14 and 15 jets respectively quite recently. Yeah. Um, Alaska Airlines, added another 23 to its order book earlier in the year. Um, you know, it's not all been good news for Boeing. Like, even before the type was ungrounded, I think there were 88 cancellations in November alone. Um, Aeromexico has had to halve its order commitment and mm. uh, China Aircraft Leasing has removed 26 planes from its order. Of course, China still hasn't ungrounded the type, so uh, yeah, difficult right. for a leasing company to stay committed to its order book, I guess. Um mm. But overall, I think, you know, the trend is going upwards and uh, Boeing seems very confident. They're already making plans to um, up their production rate and get the jets out faster. So, you know, I think uh, the 737 MAX will be with us with a lot of airlines for a lot of years to come. Hmm. Well, I hope so too, because, you know, like I would, I, I want to fly on it. 
Yeah, I I would. No, I'm not. I'm not funny about it. <laughs> I'd like to <laughs> but, try. I'd want. I want to try all planes. Um, yeah. but I don't very often fly Ryanair, and there's not many other options over here at present. But well, you just uh, have to come Ryanair with me. <laughs> yeah, they only fly from horrible airports, though. I like no, Bristol. Jet. <laughs> yeah, they do fly from Bristol, actually, don't they? I'll I'll hmm. see. I'll see when uh, when the game is changer. Not a horrible airport. <laughs> it's just a very long way from my house. Mm. But uh, when the game changer arrives, I will definitely have a look. <laughs> Good. But let me be on the inaugural. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I don't even know if they'll do something like that, you know, but we'll see. They might just quietly slip it into the schedule to avoid mm. uh, people having a fit, but uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.